Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net and Empowered Manifestation if you'd like a copy of my book all about manifestation. And you can find me on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist and also on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. The title of today's show is Things are happening, Fauci in trouble, Creepy Joe, and DeSantis fights back. And today is the 29th of May, 2021. And as usual, lots to share. I can, I hope I can fit it all in for you. So let's start with the good news of the week. I started this last week. It's, um, I can't remember the name of the person on Telegram who puts it out, but if you follow some of the anons, uh, it's shared around the different Telegram channels. So this is good news of the week, May 26th. Biden assured PM Netanyahu of his full support to replenish Israel's supply of Iron Dome interceptors and to ensure its defences and security in the future. Now, one comment on that is uh, Netanyahu is apparently deep state and of course he's faced all these criminal charges over fraud I think it is but anyway um, the lab leak theory of COVID origins used to be dismissed as conspiracy theory now MSN is supporting the idea as intelligence on six staff at the Wuhan Institute of Virology fuels the debate and I'll be covering that in more detail especially with what I was saying about Fauci being in trouble. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed legislation that gives every Floridian the power to fight back against deplatforming and allows any person to sue big tech companies for up to 100k in damages. It also allows the Florida Election Commission to impose steep daily fines on any social media company that deplatforms any statewide or non-statewide candidate. And when he announced this, he also said that, you know, the fact that Trump, a sitting president, was removed from Twitter and yet they're still letting the Ayatollah Khomeini, who threatens death to America, to remain on there. Yeah, typical. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey signed a bill banning vaccine passports in Alabama. Houston... Methodist hospital system repeatedly tried to bribe staff to get the jab, but many refused. Now the CEO is threatening to fire them, but community and staff are fight uniting and fighting back with petitions, protests and threats to sue if the policy is not changed. America's frontline doctors are suing the federal government and requesting a restraining order to prevent forcing the jab on children under 16. Israel is lifting most of their COVID restrictions next Tuesday, June 1st. The Saturday Night Live season finale featuring rapper Lil Nas X tied last week's episode for the lowest ratings of the season. Of course, he was the guy that was behind these Satan shoes, if you remember, that was um, branded as Nike shoes, which Nike objected to quite strongly. The Texas legislature approved a measure that would eliminate the requirement for Texas residents to obtain a license to carry handguns if they are not barred by state or federal law from possessing a gun. Governor Abbott said he will sign it. An armed citizen in Miami, Florida, intervened and scared off anti-Semitic attackers who were throwing garbage and verbally threatening a Jewish family as they left their synagogue. President Trump formed the the 1776 Commission to Establish Patriotic Education in Our Schools. The group met Monday to discuss how to combat the recent push by the Biden administration to teach critical race theory in our schools. A national pact was launched Monday to raise awareness about CRT, critical race theory, and the 1619 Project, overturn its teaching by campaigning for school board candidates nationwide and to restore patriotism and pride in our American history. The Texas Senate approved a bill banning critical race theory from public schools and open enrollment charter schools. Oklahoma, Idaho and Tennessee have already acted to ban CRT from schools. 
A national group called US Parents Involved in Education published a resource guide for parents who are fighting critical race theory in their local school districts. A US judge officially dismissed the federal charges against Steve Bannon, citing President Trump's full and unconditional pardon he issued the day before leaving office. A bill passed the Texas legislature which will require public schools and universities to display our nation's motto, In God We Trust, in a conspicuous place if a poster or framed copy of the motto is donated to it. Facebook whistleblower spoke out and leaked internal documents to Project Veritas. They detail how Facebook secretly censors vaccine concerns on a global scale. The best news is Jesus died for you no matter what you have done. He loves you unconditionally. And there was also a good post by Midnight Rider 17. And he writes, the, I presume it's a he, could be a she. These are the happenings, happenings, it's one of the non phrases or words that are currently underway. Every state is being audited and already finding fraud, including non-swing states. Trump has said twice already there is no 2024 without fixing 2020 and something must be done and that the whole world will soon see and all he has to do is sit back and watch. He will be back. Despite deep state and MSM push on the virus origins, we are forcing the truth out and now their narrative narrative is shifting towards the virus being man-made truth is coming out Fauci's NIH was caught funding the Wuhan lab and we now know there was gain-of-function research backed by Fauci his time is up soon Trump will hold rallies and the rallies equal revelations and huge news Trump has also stated when the thief is caught the diamonds must be returned George has also said we have every reason to be excited. So whoever is still saying that nothing is happening needs to wake up and stop shilling around. This hard road was necessary for one reason. Wake up the masses without their heads exploding. Slow disclosure is necessary. Now before I get on to the specifics of what I've talked about in the title of the show, I'd just like to share with you this op-ed by Brian Cates of epoch times and this is actually from may 19th but it's an interesting article the american oligarchy is being exposed although donald trump has made few public appearances since leaving the white house on january 20th he has made his presence felt in other ways one of the biggest impacts that trump has had on the country both as president and as a private citizen well that's debatable but anyway has been awakening millions of Americans to the very real danger of a media and political elite class that has been subverting constitutional and legal processes in the states to increase their own power and control. This is especially true of America's election systems. For the past six months, more Americans than ever have been made aware of the existence of this powerful network of incredibly rich and privileged people that we could call an oligarchy, as James O'Keefe does in his recent music video. An oligarchy is defined by Britannica as being government by the few, especially despotic power exercised by a small and privileged group for corrupt or selfish purposes. Oligarchies in which members of the ruling group are wealthy or exercise their power through their wealth are known as plutocracies. This present oligarchy has recently been forced from behind the curtains and into the open as it began clumsily and incompetently seeking to control the national dialogue on a variety of subjects, even as the role it played in the 2020 elections was uncovered. The more it fought to censor what Americans could say, the more the oligarchy exposed itself. In this column, I'm going to cover three specific attempts by this oligarchy to control the national dialogue preceding, during and following the 2020 election. And before I go on to that, I just want to emphasise that, you know, this is what we've been saying ever since um, the 
election was stolen, that this had to happen so that people could see the extent of the power grab that was going on and, you know, the, the real agenda of the deep state generally and not just the left, but the, you know, not just the Dems, but Dems and members of the Republican Party, the rhinos. Okay, so attempt number one, the Hunter Biden laptop. The first attempt at blatant and open censorship of what the public could talk about and see involved the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. The New York Post published an explosive report about the contents of the younger Biden's allegedly abandoned laptop, which led to the revelation that the FBI was investigating. As a counter to those facts, a narrative based on no evidence was quickly launched and relentlessly pushed in the mainstream media that the laptop scandal was a Russian disinformation campaign. Candidate Joe Biden himself spent the remainder of the campaign dismissing questions about the laptop by calling it Russian disinformation. Now the Russian disinformation narrative has been exposed as not only being a lie, but also a coordinated media cover-up created to get Biden past the election without having to answer hard questions. Attempt 2, the election discussion. The second attempt sought to prevent any national discussion of election irregularities by engaging in a truly massive campaign of censorship. Twitter alone seems to have permanently banned millions of its users for supposedly spreading election disinformation. Facebook and YouTube have also regularly censored content regarding the controversial election. I've been warned more than once during a regular Sunday night live stream I participate in on YouTube to watch what I say regarding the 2020 election to keep the video service, service from taking the video offline. Attempt 3, the insurrection narrative. The third attempt was when the oligarchy tried to launch a false narrative about a supposed armed insurrection at the Capitol building in Washington on January 6th. Just about everything that was claimed to have happened that day has turned out to be a lie. This insurrection narrative was begun to provide justification for an absurd second impeachment of a president who had already left office. As I stated in a previous column, there has never been such a thing as an unarmed insurrection in American history. Yet another narrative that was quickly launched despite no evidence was the claim that Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick died because of injuries suffered during the Capitol breach. In fact, Sicknick died of a stroke unrelated to anything that happened on January 6th. And we've got other members of the deep state who are claiming that five people died that day. And that's blatantly untrue. I think even Hillary Clinton or the body double of Hillary Clinton was also making that claim on Twitter. In fact, the only person to die that day was Ashley Babbitt, who was shot. And um, the person who was responsible is not being prosecuted which is interesting compared with how other people that were there at the Capitol are being prosecuted in what seems to be a very unjust uh, way or unfair way. And they're refusing to reveal who actually um, killed Ashley Babbitt. It's like one rule for us and one rule for them. So continuing on, yet for weeks the mainstream media regaled the American public with lurid stories that claimed Sicknick was struck in the head by a fire extinguisher wielded by a Trump supporter. In a video showing the alleged incident, the red object thrown by the rioter appears to bounce off an officer's helmet. There was never any confirmation that the officer struck was Sicknick, but that didn't matter. The media had their narrative and they ran with it enthusiastically for weeks. And when the truth emerged about the real cause of Sicknick's death, the press quietly moved on. There were no real public recriminations or any apologies over this journalistic malpractice. The modern American news media creates narratives to drive political outcomes, nothing more. This is just another clear example of it. And I think the other deaths that they claimed were um, as a result of the so-called insurrection 
were also uh, from natural causes. So that one fell flat. Freedom versus control has never been more clear. Nobody elected Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, Jack Dorsey of Twitter, Sundar Pichai of Google, I'm not sure if that's the right pronunciation, but anyway, or any other social media technocrat to police the nation's dialogue about politics or anything else. They are self-appointed gatekeepers, or I would say uh, censors, nothing more than that. Nobody elected Mark Elias or the horde of lawyers working for Perkins Coy to run around in certain states before the 2020 election to litigate extensive changes to election laws that bypass state legislatures in a most unconstitutional fashion. Rich and privileged people paid them to do that. There's a big difference between a national dialogue that's organic and rises up from the people of these United States and Marxist progressive political narratives that are being forced onto the public from the top down by those who control much of the nation's electronic discourse. When you refuse to let organic national conversations rise and insist on controlling with an iron fist what people can talk about publicly, while you attempt to force-feed them your own hand-picked political narratives, you've gone far beyond being a mere censor. You've become Big Brother. The stakes couldn't be higher. The Shadow Cabal used a Time magazine article to try to recast themselves as selfless public servants on a noble quest to fortify the 2020 presidential election against Donald Trump, which turned out to be far more revealing than they perhaps intended. The main claim of the article ended up being that they had to rig the election against Trump to save the election. If these oligarchs have their way, the outcome of every future election will be predetermined by their army of lawyers and their creation of a clearly unconstitutional election week. How long before Americans must endure an election month where it takes weeks to get to the right outcome the powerful have already decided on? I already see a huge backlash building against this oligarchy. It will take some time for Americans to get the audits done, get the court victories and build their own alternatives to bypass these arrogant digital gatekeepers. But now that the oligarchy has been forced out into the open, American patriots can begin working together to counter its power over this country. And one of the things that wasn't mentioned in this article, of course, is the way that they have controlled or tried to control the narrative over COVID-19, mask wearing, the vaccine, etc. And I'll be covering some of that later. But the level of panic that um, these deep state players are experiencing is obvious from their attempt to pass HR1, which is titled For the People, ironically, which basically takes away any requirement for voter ID in any form. It really opens the doors to uh, absolute fraud in an election. They're trying to push that through the Senate. And also this attempt to um, to start a 9-11 style commission into what happened on January 6th. But they have failed on that one. So let's go to that. This is Epoch Times again. Senate Republicans block legislation to create January 6th commission. And this is May 28th. Senate Republicans on Friday blocked advancing a House-passed bill that would form a 9-11 style commission to investigate the January 6th Capitol breach. Senators voted 54 to 35 on the measure, falling short of the 60-vote threshold to avoid a filibuster. Republican Senators Mitt Romney, Utah, Ben Sass, Nebraska, Lisa Murkowski, Alaska, Susan Collins, Maine, Bill Cassidy, Louisiana and Rob Portman, Ohio, joined all Democrats in voting on the measure. We know who the rhinos are. <clears throat> Other than Portman, the six GOP senators all voted to convict former President Donald Trump during his second impeachment trial. Republican Senators Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania, and Richard Burr, North Carolina, 
who voted to convict Trump during the trial did not cast votes in favour of the January 6th commission. The vote came just a day after Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican Kentucky, on the Senate floor urged his caucus not to support the legislation and suggested it was merely a partisan effort from Democrats. McConnell, in his speech, highlighted that there are a number of investigations into the January 6th incident that is already underway, including one by the Department of Justice that has resulted in more than 400 arrests. What a pity they didn't go after all the BLM and Antifa rioters last year when they're burning down black businesses and um, burning courthouses and trying to set police um, headquarters on fire. Um, People are waking up to this, no doubt about it. Legislative committees are also holding hearings and are providing recommendations to prevent a future capital breach. I do not believe the extraneous commission that Democratic leaders want would uncover crucial new facts or promote healing. Frankly, I do not believe it is even designed to, the Kentucky Republicans said. And that's why, he added, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi issued a first draft of the bill that began with a laughably rigged and partisan starting point and why the current language would still lock in significant unfairness under the hood. Obviously, the role of the former president has been litigated exhaustively, exhaustively in the high-profile impeachment trial we had here in the Senate several months ago, McConnell added. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican California, when the bill was up for a vote in the House earlier this month, similarly urged fellow GOP lawmakers not to support it. And some Republican senators have said that in the future, a bipartisan commission could be formed but some publicly stated that the legislation is merely designed to harm Republicans during the upcoming midterms in 2022. As a practical matter, I don't think we can do this thing until after a lot of those criminal probes are completed, Senator Mike Rounds said, referring to the DOJ's investigations into the incident. I still would like to see a commission go through just for history's sake. I'd like to see it, but I think we're going to have to wait until after the criminal prosecutions are completed. The bill would create a 10-person commission that has the ability to issue subpoenas in its investigation. The panel will be modelled after the one created in the wake of the September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks. Senate Democrats argued that the commission is necessary to figure out the root causes of the January 6th incident. If our Republican friends vote against this, what are you afraid of? The truth? Are you afraid Donald Trump's big lie will be dispelled? Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said ahead of the vote on Friday. Are you afraid that all of the misinformation that has poured out will be rebutted by a bipartisan down-the-middle commission? President Joe Biden, meanwhile, had signalled that he supports the creation of the panel, saying Thursday that he can't imagine why the GOP would reject it. In a letter sent after the vote on Friday, Schumer suggested that he could bring the bill to create the January 6th committee back to the Senate floor for a vote. Senators should rest assured that the events of January 6th will be investigated and that as a majority leader, I reserve the right to force the Senate to vote on the bill again at the appropriate time. He wrote to Democrats in the upper chamber. And, you know, one of the things that people are saying, it's a pity it was voted against because it could have actually been a a great instrument in terms of revealing the truth because, you know, they're claiming these deaths that didn't happen. Um, The guy who was filmed with a CNN, I think it was a CNN reporter, in the in in the capital you know encouraging people in to come into the capital he's actually now been indicted and has been exposed as um an antifa i think it was antifa it may have been blm member um and also bear in mind that the hours and hours of video footage of what happened January 6th, which are the official videos from the cameras in the Capitol, have not been released. And I think if we actually saw that evidence, then this whole idea of of it being an an insurrection 
will be completely knocked on the head. And uh, anyway, we'll see how things move on. But there's a lot of uh, injustice in terms of people who are Trump supporters who were present at the Capitol, who have been arrested uh, without bail and apparently are not getting good treatment. When you contrast that with uh, Kamala Harris um, supporting this and promoting this fund to bail out these violent rioters and protesters last year and um, them being, in a lot of cases, released without bail. The injustice is just staring you in the face. They're just out to get the Trump supporters. So let's move on to the election. And um, Trump did an interview with one of the Gateway Pundit people. I'm going to cover that now. And then I'm going to go into some of the detail about what's happening in the States. And so... This is, as I said, Gateway Pundit article from yesterday. President Trump, what happens when people find out all these states are going to flip? Does that mean you go three and a half years with someone destroying our country? President Trump sat down with TGP, the Gateway Pundit contributor, Wayne Allen Root, this week for an exclusive interview on his nationally syndicated radio show, Wayne Allen Root, raw and unfiltered on USA Radio Network. During their discussion, President Trump was asked about the ongoing forensic audits taking place in several states today. Via the storm has arrived on Telegram, President Trump's response will undoubtedly spread panic in liberal media circles. President Trump, I think, well, frankly, I think there's going to be a big problem because when people find out that all of these states are going to flip, does that mean you go three and a half years with somebody that is destroying our country? Wayne Allen Root. Well, that's the question. What happens when you find out? President Trump. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. All I do is I sit back and watch. And then uh, the full audio of the interview is uh, included in the article. Uh, one of the things that has been noted is the fact that he's not... Trump isn't getting involved in these audits. He's doing what he said. He's sitting back and watching so that he's not seen to be involved in a partisan way. One of the things he also said in that interview is things are happening at a much faster pace than people understand. And I think that's a good encouragement to the supporters of Trump, the the anons and so on that, you know, don't give up, we're, we're moving in the right direction. In another article by um, Gateway Pundit, which was also an extract from that same interview, he was noting that in, I can't remember what um, state it was, but there were more votes than voters. So I think this uh, election fraud is going to be more and more exposed as the weeks go on. And um, Lynn Wood I think it's Lynn Ward, it could be uh, Mike Lindell, is sticking to the statement that Trump will be back in power in August. So we'll hopefully get that result. We'll have to wait and see. So let's start with a look at Arizona and the hot topic of the week. This was May 26th and it's from Resist the Mainstream Appropriations Committee votes to strip Secretary of State Katie Hobbs of roles. On Tuesday morning, the Arizona House Appropriations Committee stripped Secretary of State Katie Hobbs of her ability to defend election lawsuits. It gave the power exclusively to the Attorney General. Later in the day, the state Senate Appropriations Committee passed the same changes. Now, these proposed changes are part of the full budget proposal that will be voted on later this week. We are meddling with the Constitution, State Representative Randy Fries, Democrat Tucson, said. Fries and other Democrats see the move as a response to Secretary of State Hobbs' use of outside counsel to defend Arizona voters from lawsuits filed by the state Republican Party and others challenging Arizona's election results. 
Hobbs also did not support a decision by the Attorney General to pursue a ballot harvesting case in federal court. Earlier this year, Attorney General Mark Brunovich argued against the practice before the US Supreme Court. The court is expected to decide the case this summer. The provision restricting the Secretary of State ends on January 2nd, 2023, when a new Secretary of State is in office. The Appropriations Committee also took away Hobbs's oversight of the Capitol Museum. On June 28, 2019, Hobbs flew a gay pride flag from the balcony of the Capitol. It was a move that infuriated both the Speaker of the House and the Senate President. On Thursday, Arizona's Secretary of State Katie Hobbs sent a letter claiming the election machines that were audited by the Cyber Ninja team these past few weeks should never be used again. This equipment was accessed by an amateur, uncertified auditors with zero transparency. I support election integrity and therefore can't support the continued usage of these machines, she wrote. Pretty hypocritical considering that they won't release the um, admin passwords or the routers as part of this audit. Arizona Republican Party Chair Kelly Ward responded to what she sees as the obstruction in the Maricopa County, Arizona election audit and now she is threatening action. There have to be consequences, she said, during an appearance on One American News. There could be arrests of people who are refusing to comply. And of course, Katie Hobbs has been on numerous interviews on the um, left wing mainstream media um, complaining about this audit and saying it's a fraud it. So we know exactly where she stands. Definitely a deep state swamp creature. Then we have Georgia. This is from We Love Trump. And this was on the 25th of May. Shocking, Biden receives 100% of the 950 military ballots recently audited in Georgia. In a recent interview on The War Room with Steve Bannon, John Fredericks revealed that amidst the election investigations going on in Georgia, there were 950 military ballots audited. And of course, every single one of those ballots just happened to go for Biden. There appears to have been fraudulent voting in Georgia in 2020. This is a report from the Independent Sentinel, which is linked in this article. John Fredericks, the host of Outside the Beltway, reports on this clip that as many as 30,000 fake ballots were counted in 2020 in Georgia. That is according to six witnesses who submitted sworn affidavits. There is also a question of some counted twice. The ballots in question went for Biden and the two Democrat senators by 97%. Another example Mr. Fredericks gave was of 950 military ballots that went 100% to Biden. That's impossible for military ballots. Not only that, they were in sequential order. Every ballot that came in the mail was in exact order. If a judge finds they are fraudulent, Republicans are ready to begin the process of decertifying. And there's a tweet by Julia, Jules31415, analysis of 950 military MIBs in Georgia, show 100% went to Biden. Out of a batch of 950 military mail-in ballots, Joe Biden got 950 votes, Trump zero. That's 100%. That's virtually impossible to have happen, I would say. Definitely impossible. Not only that, they were in sequential order, also impossible. And there's another tweet, I won't repeat that, saying the same thing. Um, ask yourself, out of 950 ballots sampled below, how is it possible that not a single ballot went for the Commander-in-Chief of the United States military? We have come to see that President Trump was, and still is, one of the most respected presidents this country has ever had when it comes to our military. This makes it all the more shocking that he went zero for 950 in this sample set of ballots. And it goes on to include um, an update from Gateway Pundit in there. Um, I'm only going to put the key things that are different from what I've already told you. Uh, Gateway Pundit says, we reported previously how the military ballots in Georgia and Michigan were nearly all mysteriously and impossibly for Joe Biden 
This most likely occurred across the country. This is what the Democrats think of our military. And it then goes on to talk about the letter from the 235 retired US military leaders supporting President Trump, uh, which I've shared in a previous radio show. And then the latest, also from Georgia, uh, Gateway Pundit, breaking Georgia judge postpones Fulton County ballot examination that was set for Friday. And this was from Thursday the 27th. As reported earlier, lawyers for the Fulton County Georgia Board of Registration and Elections filed an official request to the court to dismiss the election fraud case brought by Garland Favorito and others before the forensic audit is launched starting on Friday. CD Media reported on this development this morning and it shows the petition, uh, the motion to dismiss petitioner's complaint, um, which I'm not going to read. Uh, Last Friday, Judge Brian Amaro from Henry County in Georgia ruled that the audit in Fulton County, Georgia must proceed. This comes after a video report by the Gateway Pundit back in early December revealed the same batch of ballots were being counted two and three times. And it's got the link to that original article in the article. The judge ordered the parties to appear at the Fulton County ballot storage location at 10am on May 28th which is the Friday before the Memorial Day weekend. On Wednesday, attorneys for the Fulton County Board of Registration and Elections filed a last-minute request to ask the court to dismiss the entire case before the actual forensic audit begins. And now this. George Judge Brian Amaro announced Thursday that the Friday meeting will no longer take place due to the motions filed by Fulton County officials to suspend the forensic analysis. If they had nothing to hide, they would not be so determined to shut the process down. The Epoch Times reported a judge in Georgia told parties in an election integrity case on May 27th that a previously scheduled meeting at a ballot storage warehouse was cancelled after officials filed a flurry of motions in the case. Henry County Superior Court Judge Brian Amaro said a May 28th meeting was no longer taking place because of motions filed by Fulton County, the the county's Board of Registration and Elections and the county's clerk of Superior and Magistrate Courts, a spokesman for the court confirmed to the Epoch Times. Amaro said the motions must be heard before the plaintiffs can gain access to the absentee ballots. He proposed a June 21st hearing, but the order scheduling the hearing hasn't yet been filed. It seems like a desperation move. The silver lining is that we now have more time to perfect the changes we had to make in our inspection plan. Garland Favorito, the lead petitioner, told the Epoch Times via email. Roaches fear the light. And they certainly do. So scurrying around and panicking like crazy about the fraud are being exposed. Now let's take a look at New Hampshire. This is Gateway Pundit again, breaking one of three auditors exits Wyndham, New Hampshire election audit. Law requires a team of three auditors. This was May 27th. The conflicted audit in Wyndham, New Hampshire just incurred a major blow. One of three auditors selected to perform the audit has has exited from the team. Last night, we reported on how the auditors in the Wyndham, New Hampshire audit all have serious conflicts due to their activities with each other and the Democratic Democrat Party. And there's a link to another article which I am going to share with you, and it's the Wyndham, New Hampshire election audit was over before it started. Two of three auditors have conflicts with Pelosi and Schumer. So let's take a look at that. Um... The teamwork and activism of New Hampshire patriots who fought hard to get the New Hampshire audit off the ground have been actively subverted and sabotaged without their knowledge. We have shocking evidence related to the actors running the audit. And this is a link to another article, Urgent Message from American Patriots to People of Wyndham. Your forensic audit in Wyndham is being secretly sabotaged. It appears very likely that the course of this audit has been quietly steered by top Democratic leadership in the U.S. Congress. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer 
through the auditors themselves. Both Philip Stark, PhD, and Barbara Simons, PhD, the board chair of Verified Voting, and also a member of George Soros's Elite Demo- Democracy Alliance Board, are current appointees to the corrupt and powerful U.S. Election Assistance Commission, EAC. Stark was appointed by Speaker Pelosi in 2016, and Simon was appo- appointed by former Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid, in 2008 and was reaffirmed by then-Senate minority, now Majority Leader Schumer. Two of the three New Hampshire election auditors, therefore, Stark and Mark Lindemann, PhD, and co-director at Verified Voting, have direct ties and loyalty to the powerful American Democrat progressive machine at the very highest levels. That deep state Democratic machine has a vested hardcore political interest in maintaining the status quo of all 2020 state elections, including New Hampshire's. Finally, Harry Hursty, PhD, has obscured professional relationships with the other two auditors, to which he does have strong professional ties. Why? The audit team being driven by secretive Democrat-Socialist political interests is anything but fair, impartial and non-partisan. Its agenda is not at all that of the New Hampshire patriots who fought for election honesty, transparency and integrity. I'm not going to read the rest of the article because it's a pretty long one and I want to get on to my other topics before the end of the show. Um, So going back to the first article that I was reading from Gateway Pundit, on Tuesday, undercover DC's Michelle Edwards exclusively reported... On Tuesday, the auditors will conduct a forensic analysis of the voting machines, one of which had more difficulties with folded ballots than the others. Each memory card will need 90 minutes to read. With no explanation provided, details emerged late Monday that Auditor Philip Stark would not be present for the remainder of the audit, which leaves the inspection under the command of Harry Hursty and Mark Lindemann. It is simply shocking that one of these auditors ups and leaves, quits, and neither the Wyndham Board of Selectmen nor the New Hampshire AG and SOS have said a word. Losing an auditor places this election audit in direct violation of SB 43, the New Hampshire law which authorised this audit and it requires a team of three auditors. One selected by the Wyndham Board of Selectmen, Mark Lindemann, Acting Executive Director of Verified Voting. One by the New Hampshire Attorney General and Secretary of State, Harry Hursty, PhD. And one selected by those two auditors, Philip Stark, PhD. Why has the audit team, or Stark himself, provided no details as to why he walked away from his job? Why did Stark pull out at the very moment that this team was to audit the hackable, insecure memory cards of these diebold AccuVote optical scan machines? And it quotes the exact model. Did Stark go missing in action because he knows putting his name to an audit of these diebold machines and memory cards could place his professional reputation at grave risk? With Dr Philip Stark making an unannounced bolt from this audit team, We have to wonder if word came down from on high from Speaker Pelosi, who appointed him, a high-ranking American computer scientist, to his position on the EAC to move on. Is he required elsewhere in another state, with yet another 2020 election audit about to blow up, needing to be crushed? Stark likely wanted off this audit to salvage his professional reputation and be as far away as possible from putting his name on an audit report which asserts New Hampshire's diebold machines and the 90-minute audit of each and every memory card by the team has revealed all's good, nothing to see here. So I think it was the residents of New Hampshire that were trying to get the, um, the auditors, or should I say, tried to get Jovan... Pulitzer as one of the auditors because he's the one that um, invented this way of scanning ballots and so on but obviously they got overruled. And then finally on the election stories um, this is Epoch Times from yesterday Pennsylvania County votes to investigate voting machines over errors. Lucerne County Council votes to allow a district attorney to investigate issues reported during last week's election. A county council in northeastern Pennsylvania on Tuesday voted to allow the local district attorney's office 
to investigate the May 18th primary election after officials and voters reported issues with voting equipment at polling places. Luzerne County Councilman Walter Griffith proposed the district attorney investigate the mid-May election and made note of the on-street ballot mislabeling error as well as other issues, arguing that it is needed because many voters are disenfranchised and concerned about the integrity of the election process reported the local Times leader newspaper. All 10 county council members present approved the initiative with one council member absent. His resolution asked prosecutors to investigate Dominion Voting Systems Machines programming and company practices. So again, I'm not going to go through the rest of this article, but it's really, if they've got issues with this primary election, it's going to prompt... Uh, an investigation into the actual uh, presidential election, I would imagine. At least that's to be hoped for. And now on to Fauci. And this is an article by Trending Politics. And it was yesterday. And breaking House Republicans launch investigation into taxpayer funding of Wuhan lab. Fauci's reputation in question. On Friday, House Republicans launched an investigation into funding granted by the NIH to EcoHealth Alliance, claiming they sent taxpayer money to fund the Wuhan Institute of Virology to see how coronaviruses could be transmitted to humans. House Oversight Committee ranking member James Comer, Republican Kentucky, and Judiciary Committee ranking member Jim Jordan, Republican Ohio wrote that there has been mounting evidence the COVID-19 pandemic started in the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the Chinese Communist Party covered it up, Fox News reported. In a letter exclusively obtained by Fox News written to Dr. Francis Collins, the director of the NIH and Dr. Anthony Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Coma and Jordan raised concerns that EcoHealth Alliance knew of the Chinese Communist Party's attempts to cover up the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic and failed to act or to inform the US government, Fox News continued. If US taxpayer money was used to develop COVID-19, conduct gain-of-function research or assist in any sort of cover-up, EcoHealth Alliance must be held accountable, Coma and Jordan explained. It is incumbent upon grant recipients to ensure their work is performed within the scope of the grant, advances our national interest and protects our national security. Eco Alliance sent out almost $600,000 of the grant money to the lab over a period of six years, according to factcheck.org, to study the risk of the future emergence of coronaviruses from bats. In 2014, the NIH awarded a grant to the US-based EcoHealth Alliance to study the risk of the future emergence of coronaviruses from bats. In 2019, the project was renewed for another five years, but it was cancelled in April 2020, three months after the first case of the coronavirus was confirmed in the US EcoHealth. In the US, sorry. EcoHealth ultimately received $3.7 million over six years from the NIH and distributed nearly 600000 of that total to China's Wuhan Institute of Virology, a collaborator on the project pre-approved by NIH. Dr Fauci is currently in the hot seat, is clearly trying to cover his tracks. During a Senate hearing on Wednesday, Fauci told Senator John Kennedy that he couldn't guarantee American taxpayer dollars didn't fund gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab. There's no way of guaranteeing that, but in our experience with grantees, including Chinese grantees, which you have had interactions with for a very long period of time, they are very competent, trustworthy scientists, Fauci said. Fauci and Kennedy also had the following exchange. Kennedy, here's where I'm getting at. You gave them money and you said, don't do gain-of-function research. Fauci, correct. Kennedy, and they said, we won't. Fauci, correct. Kennedy, and you have no way of knowing whether they did or not, except you trust them. Is that right? Fauci, well, we generally always trust the grantee to do what they say, and you look at the results. Kennedy, have you ever had a grantee lie to you? Fauci, 
I cannot guarantee that a grantee has not lied to us because you never know. Kennedy, can we agree that if you took President Xi Jinping and turned him upside down and shook him, the World Health Organization would fall out of his pocket? Fauci, I don't think I can answer that question, sir. I'm sorry. So we know that Fauci has flip-flopped over everything, uh, masks, then no masks and so on. And, you know, I think the view is that Fauci would, was put front and centre to expose him. And I've said that many times, as have others, since this whole thing started over a year ago. I mean, we do have people uh, standing up against um, these mandates. Uh, as I said, DeSantis fights back. He's uh, opening schools, saying no masks. He actually said... At a press conference, the crazy ones are the folks wearing six masks in New York City. He's against vaccine passports. Um, he's banned the use of vaccine passports in the state. And he's also fighting a CDC uh, mandate to cruise ships that they have to use vaccine passports. So he's saying it's basically overreach and the CDC has no legal right to do that. The other thing we're seeing are these ridiculous incentives to get people to take the vaccine. We've got a Breitbart article saying California is offering over $160 million in prizes and incentives to convince people to get, voting, to get vaccinated. This was from 28th of May yesterday. Officials in California ramping up efforts to convince hesitant Golden State residents to get vaccinated offering over $160 million in prizes and incentives. Uh, the question is, why are they so desperate? I mean, this is unprecedented to be, you know, using all these, um, this, this bait to people to get them to do it. You know, we've got beer, we've got burgers, we've got donuts, we've got shots, ironically. And... Um, I think the latest statistics I saw was that actually 70% of people have not got the vaccine. So um, the truth about the vaccines is really coming out. And I saw an interesting article. It was shared on one of my um, Facebook Messenger groups. And this is an article from Rens.com. And it was from the 23rd of May. And it was taken off social media, apparently. Shocking live blood analysis after Vax. Look, this was posted on a social media site. We're expecting more dark field microscope images will be posted showing the catastrophic changes in the blood of people who have taken the deadly injection, which is not a vaccine by any stretch. Here's the text that was posted with this image. I have a friend who is a nutrition microscopist. She is an expert in her field and has helped me immensely. She has many clients who took the so-called vax and asked them to come in for a free blood analysis. To her utter horror, this is what she saw. The top image is of a completely healthy blood and blood cells before the vax injection. The blood cells changed drastically over the next few days. The third picture, bottom centre, shows countless foreign nanoparticles white specks that show up in your blood shortly after the injection. Your body can never detox from this and eventually those nanoparticles will enter every cell in your body. What this means in short is that you will never be the same and your health will be heavily impacted for the rest of your life, however short that may be. This is, without question, a crime of mass genocide against humanity. And there are three, four images actually. And the first one is the healthy blood cells. The second one has these white centers. The third has all these nanoparticle specks. And then the fourth, note the final picture just above the fourth image, shows this person's blood cells no longer being smooth and symmetrical. They are now covered with lumps and protrusions. This is an intentional world war on human blood. As Dr. Sherry Tempany and Dr. Luc Montagnier and others are saying, the injections will kill and will never stop killing. Remember the Deagle.com projections. Only 99 million Americans will be alive by January 2025. That's just three and three quarter years from now. 
Also remember, all the top politicians and name players such as Braindead Biden, Ho Harris Emhoff and arch-fraud Tony Fauci were given a blank saline injection, not the real shot. Fauci couldn't even remember which arm he took the injection in the very next day. So I don't want to put this out as fear-mongering, but I think it's, you know, another reason that um, we steer clear of the so-called vaccine. And I have read an article that said borax is the only thing that would get rid of the nanoparticles. And there's also a lot of reports, I think we covered this a little bit last week, um, if not on the show in the chat room, that pine needle tea... Um, I guess I did actually mention it. Uh, pine needle tea can be a good antidote to the, the effects of the vaccine. Uh, but as I said last week, so there are some species of pine that are toxic. So don't just go picking any pine needles without knowing what tree they're coming from. So um, if you want to dig more into this, um, Dr. McCullough's site, McCullough.com, has a lot of very informative, proper science articles about the effects of the vaccine. Of course, we're seeing more and more reports about uh, deaths, about uh, blood clotting. Um, we're even now seeing reports that the Red Cross will not take um, blood donations from vaccinated people because the vaccine kills the antibodies isn't that ironic so as always do your own research and of course share this with people um you know to try and warn them about the dangers of this vaccine um despite the or in in contradiction to all the propaganda that's being put out by all of these celebrities and the mainstream media to try and persuade everybody to take this vaccine you know it's uh, very peculiar if you look at it um, critically. They never do this. Well, they do do it with the flu vaccine, but not to this extent. So, you know, you have to... You certainly get suspicious about this kind of behaviour. Let's put it that way. And my last topic on the subject of Creepy Joe, um, this was uh, from yesterday. Watch Joe Biden stops dead in the middle of speech and delivers creepiest comment to little girl. Joe Biden was in Virginia today with blackface Democratic Governor Ralph Northam to tout his budget-busting economic plan, which is filled with massive spending and huge tax increases. In the midst of selling the budgetary atrocity, he delivered one of the creepiest comments to a little girl who is the daughter of a veteran, no less. And it's got a tweet from the post-millennium Joe Biden looks at a little girl in the audience, the daughter of a veteran, and says, I love those barrettes in your hair. Man, I'll tell you what. Look at her. She looks like she's 19 years old, sitting there like a little lady with her legs crossed. In the speech, he said, I'm honoured to be joined today by Governor Northam, by two great representatives of the Commonwealth, Congressman Luria and Congressman Scott, Biden said. And I want to thank you for all that you do to represent these service veterans because you, they are devoted to you. Their family members, caregivers, survivors all call Virginia home. Biden then said he was honoured to share the stage with a veteran's family, whom he named off before making a truly lecherous comment. And that's when he made the comment about, I just love the barrettes in her hair now, etc., etc., those who saw Biden's remark on social media express their revulsion. Crazy how he gets getting, keeps getting away with this. So creepy, one user remarked. Creepy grooming behaviour, another added. What a weirdo. Gross, another simply said. Joe Biden has a history of making comments to young girls and women and even fondling them. Below, one can see just a small sample of his indiscretions, which the Me Too crowd is silent about since he's a Democrat. And this is the compilation of uh, video clips showing him um, sniffing hair, fondling uh, young children. It's really creepy and disgusting. And the article ends saying this is not normal indeed. And he did get hammered on social media. I don't have time to read the follow-up article that details all that because I've run out of time. 
So thank you so much for being with me again today on the Cosmic Creating Show. I hope you'll join me for another one next week. Who knows what I'll be reporting on then, but uh, I'm so glad to have you with me. And just as a reminder, you can find me at the successalchemist.net, which is my coaching website, thewebalchemist.net, which is my uh, website and marketing site, and Empowered Manifestation, where you can get my book, Empowered Manifestation, for a very minimal $7. So thank you again. Thank you to Nancy for producing. And I hope I'll see you next week. Stay well, be safe, and bye for now. You have been listening to the Cosmic Creating Radio Show with Jan Shaw, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Live long and prosper.